you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. About as good a start as you could have for Tennessee. Tannehill looks for the home run ball. Separation! Khalif Raymond hauls it in. Touchdown, Titans. Wow. A deep one, 45 yards. Tannehill, a dime. David, football, football, David. The Dave Damashek Football Program, available on Apple Podcasts and at NFL.com slash DDFP. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Ryan Tannehill, Derrick Henry, Mike Vrabel, and a huge helping of the curse is supposed to take down the 14-2 Baltimore Ravens, one of four teams to come up short. And then on the other side of that, four teams move on to the final four of pro football, already eager with anticipation for uh, the two title games upcoming this Sunday. Hi and hello and welcome to the Dave Damashek football program. I hope all's well wherever you are here in Studio 66. We're soon to be joined via Skype by one of our favorites, the digital wall of famer himself and older brother of Mitchell Schwartz, uh, who, of course, toils on the offensive line for the Kansas City Chiefs, who Took a good scare from the curse of supposed as well. They went down 24 to nothing. But because I understand the nuance of this uh, this vicious curse, which, of course, if you're a first-time listener to Damashek, then the curse of supposed to needs a little explaining. Although, my pal Tony Romo explained it not once but twice during the game. Take a listen. Kansas City, when you're such a favorite... It's almost a tougher spot to be in, and that's you slept on the lead, right? Like you're supposed to win. You're almost like have a little anxiety with it, whereas the other team's coming in free. They're freed up to lose. You're supposed to, right? That's a way better way, you know, to play in a game or any sporting event. And then all of a sudden, Kansas City gets behind by 24, and now they're freed up. They're supposed to lose. So now they can reset. And now go play football and see what team goes to the AFC championship. Yeah, as Romo says, and, uh, you know, and and as I tweeted, people said, oh, Romo is stealing your bit. The curse is supposed to. But then I had to quote Bain, you know, I 
I merely adopted it. He was born into the darkness, Tony Romo. He lived it after all. He was 13 and 3 with the Dallas Cowboys when Eli Manning and company rolled in there many moons ago and left with a victory. And so began the legend of Eli Manning, um, Tom Brady vanquisher. But the Chiefs got a real scare. But I did say, beware, the one team that can pull this rally off here um, before they had begun said rally is those Kansas City Chiefs. And then, and the curse is supposed to, again, um, is that you have added pressure on you when you are expected to win. And you see the Titans, who are playing with the devil-may-care attitude because nobody expected them to be there. They're one of the few teams that can rightly say no one outside our locker room believed in us six, eight weeks or so ago. Although, if I'm patting myself on the back, I will do it again by saying, I did tell you that that Titans team would take off if and when they installed Ryan Tannehill over Marcus Mariota. They did it in mid-October and have uh, not really looked back since. Behind the glass there, Eddie Spaghetti, how you feeling? You had a big weekend. Did you get to drink in some football along with some micro beers and the band Tool on your visit to San Diego? San Diego's great, but uh, of course I had time to uh, watch all the football games. I mean, uh, my picks were not as good. I've been pretty good all year. I had my worst uh, my worst weeks. I went on a limb with the two upsets, but Besides that, how can you complain? I mean, I know we don't get the AFC title game that me and you both wanted, the Lamar versus Mahomes, but seeing the ten- Tennessee Titans come back, uh, you know, and beat a, beat a team like that, uh, uh, thanks to Derrick Henry and thanks to Ryan Tannehill, and their defense is great, and then obviously Mahomes, I mean, you could argue that Chiefs game was probably the best performance by any team in, like, the history of the league. So, hmm. uh, And then whoever did the schedule... Well, who? I mean, the thing that it distinguishes it is... That, I mean, we've seen, obviously, 28-3 to was invoked quite a bit during Sunday's game and any number of other big rallies by teams. But the thing that separates this one from any other that I can think of in the in the NFL or even in college football is, is that they were getting blown out. I mean, 24 is properly a blowout. It is, yeah. And they ended up blowing out that team. It's, a, it's really... Um, to win by twenty points, and, and yeah, and you're it was you're bizarre. Done. I mean, they completed the rally before the second, but before uh, they got into the locker room for halftime, it was crazy. Twenty four zip down, and they and they reversed it all, and like a, I felt there was like a snap of their finger, and they were back right in the game. Uh, and then like you always talk about the home crowd, how if you if you are failing in front of your home crowd, and that could just really ruin everything for you because you just feel like you have no, uh, you're done, you're you're toast, your 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 fans are turning on you, and the weird thing was like it wasn't Mahomes and the offense's fault like they just never really got the ball it was all like these you know a muff pun and there was just all these like sloppy plays so once they kind of got the ball and 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 read and be enemy's offense was rolling it was like they just couldn't be stopped they were like a train like without breaks it was it was something to watch it's interesting too and our mutual pal and longtime Chiefs fan and producer here at NFL Media Ryan Bartlett said during that that Lamar Jackson the phenom rightly Um, wins the MVP, a spectacular season and all that. But Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback. And then I started thinking, yeah, well, I I mean, I said, yes, that's uh, see, that's right. But then you watch Russell Wilson. And is is there a distinction? I guess it doesn't really matter at this point, but it's worth pointing out. Offensive player of the year. Offensive player in pro football, the bet not not for 2019, but if we're just looking to like over the last two years, Patrick Mahomes is the best offensive player in the NFL. Without a doubt. But the most valuable player is Russell Wilson. Sure, right. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I mean, I mean it, 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 that distinction should be made, right? Is I mean that that Russell Wilson has now 
we, you know, we said this, what, three, four weeks ago, but you know, when, when everybody puts together in around the hundredth year of the NFL and this all time team that's come out and who are the top 10 quarterbacks in the history of pro football, and we can debate the guys who played in the forties and fifties and all that kind of stuff. But I think Russell Wilson in Super Bowl era, if you did the top 10 now, I think that now you have to put Russell Wilson in that mix. I feel bad for him if they had, I mean, if, if it was a, you know, one P Carroll, uh, handoff call to Marshawn Lynch the the books would be a lot different about Russell Wilson what we think of him and Pete Carroll obviously with the boy that's so true I uh, mean I know that 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 resonates uh five years later that, yeah that one it, call that it they give it to him. but anyway in the here and now I mean think besides outside of Tyler Lockett who's established they have tight end injuries the offensive line's been shaky for what feels like at least three seasons uh both their their top running backs in Carson and Penny go down you bring in Marshawn Lynch off the street who's just like frankly the guy's not in football shape he's not he's a shell he's more than a shell of what he was it's 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 bad to watch and then uh you your your receiver you draft DK Metcalf who did come on uh in in some games but you know when he during the draft process he was told that he can't run routes so it's like you have this kind of makeshift offense going on and nothing is stable throughout the whole year and like the one constant is Russell Wilson I and I think I said on a few podcasts ago besides really what uh Cam did with that Panthers team which to me was kind of underwhelming when he won MVP when they went 15 and 1 like that's the closest thing to what Russell Wilson's doing so it was it was amazing to watch that, too. Yeah, Cam dragged an offense. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson dragged an entire team, sure. it felt like, especially after Chris Carson and uh, and two other runners go down um, in the tail end of the year. For the Seahawks, I mean, I really put this 20 in hindsight now, now that we see it in, in its entirety, to come within a couple of plays of, of getting to the NFC title game. With that roster, I mean, what they had out on the field in Lambeau on Sunday – um, I put that up there with um, Elway in the 80s taking those rosters, those Broncos teams. Not, I'm not talking the Terrell Davis two Super Bowls. I'm talking the teams that got whipped three times over by uh, NFC juggernauts. Those Elway teams that he took to that had no business getting that far in the playoffs. Marino had a year or two during his career. It wasn't just a lack of running back and otherwise they had crummy defenses and yet they were still relevant getting to championship games I mean and uh, there just are not very many examples of guys in NFL history since I've been watching that um, can you always hear that the will the team to victory and by the way Brady also has a couple of times um, in these last I mean maybe eight ten years now he's done at least once or maybe even three times drag some mediocre rosters pretty deep into the playoffs even to uh to the victory stand at the sure. Super Bowl but anyway tip of the hat to Russell Wilson who rightly whether you give it to him for a single season year or not um and Lamar Jackson deserves you know the the moniker most valuable player of 2019 of course uh, a phenomenal year by that team but Russell Wilson most valuable player and he you know a couple of years ago replaced Ben Roethlisberger is my answer to fate of the planet hangs in the balance you only get to pick the quarterback and nothing else about the game uh the answer is clearly Russell Wilson at this point right sure without a doubt I mean like you said the it's not just carrying an offense it's carrying a team they're in Lambeau they're versing Aaron Rodgers it's like everything is against them and you don't expect them to be in this game I almost felt like too 
that Pete Carroll would sometimes want to take the ball even out of his hands. And, like, that guy is your playmaker. Just let him do what he has to do on offense. Let him roll out and just create magic. Um, I mean, I was rooting so hard for him. But I can never root against Russell Wilson and that team. They're just an easy uh, team to root for. So, I mean, I know there was a controversial call in that game. Was it a first down or not, which would have obviously given the Seahawks the ball back. Who knows? Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But it's still fun rooting for Well, him. a couple things about that. Yeah, the the red line that Devontae Adams is now pushing, I don't know that that's any more exact than the yellow line because I think the marker, the actual marker is on the other side of the field. So Devontae Adams just kind of tweaking Seahawks fans with that sort of thing. I don't know. I mean, it just certainly looked like Jimmy Graham on the replay didn't get there, but I mean, and then people are belly aching too. Not belly aching, but pointing to the Texans costing themselves the games by game by kicking the field goal instead of going for it in that spot. I think that they should have, for the record, um, if they don't get it, you at least leave Mahomes a long field, and he has. Uh, you know, I think the kickoff return is a decisive play in that that they kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. But if they let's say they get a touchdown and everything plays out the same. I don't know how differently the game plays out. And then people are saying bad fake punt, but that is an all time classic. If that works, then, you know, Bill O'Brien's a hero. And instead Sorensen makes a great play and, and ends that. And it looks bad, but the way the chiefs were going and the way Patrick Mahomes can eliminate, you know, length of field with a single throw, I don't mind the call there. And I don't think that that ultimately is the reason that the Texans lost the game. I think that, when the Chiefs got rolling, that then they became the victim of supposed to, we're up 24 nothing. We're supposed to win at this point. And I think the pressure, once they got caught, once it was, once it got to 24 21, I had no doubt that the Chiefs were winning that game. Um, the other side of things quickly for all the heroics of Russell Wilson, I think it, I, I think Aaron Rodgers, even after a victory now, continues to be slept on. You know, I think uh, 24 hours or whatever after that game, in which he was really very good. I think he's still not getting credit because Russell Wilson is has been deemed by, well, I guess just by me right there, as the more heroic figure from that game. But Russell Wilson, I mean, Aaron Rodgers with a reminder of how dynamite he is. So many great things to root for, by the way, with possible Super Bowl matchups. I mean, Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes would be wonderful. Chiefs v. Niners, a.k.a. the Montana slash Young slash... Um, everything else bowl would be a lot of fun too. Alex Smith went there. You know, obviously the the Niners have a, a long history, Steve Bono, of passing their quarterbacks down to Kansas City. So that would be a good one. But I thought that um, the, the, the takeaway is, I think you're going to hear a lot of simple math going into this, and we'll talk to Jeff Schwartz about these things. A lot of simple mouth of math of, well, Derrick Henry just did that to the Ravens, so this is what you should expect in uh, on this coming Sunday. And you saw what the Packers just did, and so they're going to do. I don't think that those rules apply. They're two ve- they're, the teams that they're about to match up with are very different. I'll give you my final pick um, on the second podcast this week here on the DDFP. Mm-hmm. But I, I mean, I'm leaning heavily towards the Niners at this point. I think that there's going to have to be some weird flukes, maybe some special team stuff, some defensive touchdown, a defensive touchdown or something along those lines for the Packers to win this one. Cause I just think that the Niners, as you saw against the much better um, against the run uh, Vikings, they got had. I don't think the Packers have a chance against that run. It's it's fun because you have basically like both the NFC and the AFC have the ground and pound run first teams. And then you have the, 
uh, aired out past first teams in both the Chiefs and the Packers, and they're playing uh, one another. So it's it's going to be like Shermer, uh, Richard Sherman versus Devontae Adams. That's going to be a matchup that I'm looking forward to. And it's like how many times could could Bosa get to Aaron Rodgers? And the flip side, it's you know. Do the Chiefs have what it takes to stop Derrick Henry, or do the Titans have what it takes to stop uh, any of Patrick Mahomes? You know, he may throw for six, seven, eight touchdowns. Like, like who knows? Like it, that. It's those are two. You know, I we're we're kind of upset we didn't get the Lamar Jackson. I get that, but uh, and I was obviously rooting for Russell Wilson, but I cannot complain. I think both these games are going to be dynamite. Here's the only thing I'll throw up, and this isn't uh, th- th- this isn't vapid cynicism, but I should have done a better job in preparing for this comment on uh, a show that is being recorded right now, Eddie Spaghetti. So bear with me and help me out if you have any other examples to support this. There, I'm not. Everybody has now decided, or they decided somewhere early in the third quarter, watching the game in Arrowhead. Well, the Chiefs are the best team, and they're going to win the Super Bowl now. But now that they have overcome this this test. But history offers the Super Bowl era offers very few examples of a team that is mostly kind of, you know, largely flawed. I know they have some defensive pieces. The Chiefs do. And obviously Tyreek Hill is uh, as fast as anybody you've ever seen. And Travis Kelsey is one a or number one. And, uh, you know, George Kittle. And we could have that debate about best tight end and all that. But they are not a, uh, a top-to-bottom, really deep, great roster. There's very little um, evidence that a guy, that gunslinger, just like our QB is carrying us here by himself kind of vibe, that that works against great defenses. I don't know that the Titans count as a great defense, although they're going to be – I mean, it will all be – I mean, it was against uh, the Texans as well. Mm-hmm. They didn't attempt to run the ball. They didn't need to run the ball. And – To win this game, I think they're going to have to just put up a big number against the Titans. Um, If they get the Niners, though, history does favor the defense. The team that that there is, I mean, from Dan Marino to um, to the 15 and one 98 Vikings. And I'm well. see now I'm starting to tick these off, but 2011 Aaron Rodgers and, and so on. There's just not a ton of evidence that uh, the 2018 Chiefs. How about that? Yeah. There's very little evidence that that is enough that that gets you over the hump. You might get to the Super Bowl. You're in the title game at least. So that's something to watch out for. But I'm not ready to make final predictions. So I don't even know why I've brought this up. I I know we've said it all season long. The 49ers get uh, win after win after win. And not even just win. They get quality wins. after. And the Vikings on paper, and we've talked about it a lot. I know Hank's brought it up. Great roster, top to bottom. They have playmakers all over. Um and I was getting some heat on Twitter. I mean, I think overall, in terms of the teams that are left, the 49ers probably are the best team, top to bottom. They are just impressive in every facet. And I trust Jimmy G now. I will come out and say it. I totally trust Jimmy G. So I, I'm kind of with you in terms of the team that I would assume would win at this point probably would be them. Uh, the thing about the Chiefs, though, is like the Chiefs can show you they can rattle off seven, eight touchdown drives in a row. And I don't think the Chiefs could be any sloppier than they were to start that game. In a sense, like you'd feel relieved, like, okay, we played probably our worst football uh, ever this season, and we still found a way to come back and win by 20. So you got to feel pretty good about that. But then you have the Titans, who are the, the hot team. Uh, it's like, you know, you get the hot goaltender in hockey and you ride them. That's what Derrick Henry is right now. You're just riding them. And they could be like that team of destiny sort of thing. And Vrabel's, uh, he's really coaching them up. And then obviously the team left, you have Rodgers, who's the, you know, that he's the guy who's done it. And he's the, he's the, the, the one veteran left. It's, 
It's an interesting uh, oh, force it's, of it, it's super fun, and the Titans now, as I mean, it was easy to say in advance of the Baltimore game, I said everybody feels like, ah, oh, the Titans aren't the team that should get that far, but now that they survive and, and handle the Ravens the way they did, now you feel like, oh, they, now they could w- uh, go all the way too. So the matchups are fun. I mean, ultimately, Chiefs, Ravens would have been juicy stuff based on the way the season tracked throughout. But uh, anyhow, like I say, we'll give you our proper picks later in the week. But by the way, speaking of picks, I told you before the season, the Niners would win the NFC West and the Rams wouldn't because I felt Sean McVay and his offensive scheme. And I understand the differences on the offensive line and otherwise for the 2019 Rams and Todd Gurley being a little diminished and everything else. But I also felt like the Patriots provided the blueprint for the rest of football and they fell back. And I said, the Kyle Shanahan redemption story, while everybody was falling all over themselves uh, a year ago to get anybody who ever knew Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan was the sleeping giant among offensive geniuses, and that may be the difference. Well, listen, they're the number one seed, and they're going to be hosting the NFC title game, so I feel validated, but if they get all the way to the Super Bowl and win it, then I wonder... um, Uh, you know, if Kyle Shanahan gets his due? I think the answer is clearly yes. Everybody is already praising him, but all right, enough about you and me, Kibitson, about this. We'll give you our picks later in the week. Let's get to a guy who's tied in close to those Kansas City Chiefs and uh, the line of scrimmage, all important at this time of the year. Let's talk to our main man right now, Jeff Schwartz. All right, here he is. It's been too long here on the DDFP. He is, after all, one of our digital wall of famers there. He has won a Shecky Award as our favorite football playing guest. I think that was three years ago. Yeah. It's our old pal and also, by the way, host of Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You on The Athletic. By the way, there's a show on there with uh, Damashek's name uh, called uh, Football Fact Check. You might also want to check out there. Hey, it's Jeff Schwartz. What's happening, fella? Glad to be here. I, I misplaced the Shecky. I'm sorry. I'll find it. This hand over here. I'll find it. I'll get it for you. I'll put it up there. It's outrageous that you don't have it up there on your personal wall of fame. Um, who do you, before we jump in on um, brother Mitchell Schwartz's achievement in the divisional round and a quick yes. breakdown of all things that happened there, who do you self-identify with? If Jeff Schwartz were voted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame and you had a choice of what team you go in as, what would it be? Well, the best season I had was in Kansas City in 2013, um, mm. and my brother, my brother plays there now. We can we can be dual Kansas City Chiefs. We can be the first pair of brothers on the same team in the Hall of Fame. Is that true? I don't know. I guess so. Something. You you also must have been on. I mean, I assume you've been on Monday Night and Sunday Night Football at some point, right? So you did those things where you're like Jeff Schwartz, blah, yes. kind of thing. Or- what did you say? You said Oregon. Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I loved elementary school, but I'm not repping it in the thing. I don't get why guys don't say they're college. I mean, you went to college, I give you a scholarship on your college. Yeah, listen, people like to shout out various things, but you do have a good collection there of, uh, of football helmets and photographs and everything else. Um, but anyhow, let's talk about uh, the guys still in the mix here, the teams that fell away over the, yes. the past weekend. And I guess let's start with what's going to be remembered as a historic ball game, because I don't think we've ever seen people citing things like um, the, I mean, people digging back to the Doug Williams Super Bowl where um, they fell down early and then rallied back and put up 41 or whatever it was. But 
the difference with this one versus any other pro football game I can ever recall watching is one team was getting blow, blown out, and then they <laughs> blew that team out by the end of the game and, in fact, took the lead back before even halftime. Have you ever said, am I missing a game no. in history no. that went that way? No, only only Pac-12 after dark can can even come up with a scenario as good as that one. It was a score gami too. First time in NFL history, fifty-one to thirty-one. Think about this: if with ten minutes left ish in the second quarter, Texans were up twenty-four nothing. By halftime, it was twenty-eight nothing. By eight minutes in the fourth quarter, it was fifty-one to thirty-one. It didn't. They went on a fifty-one to seven run. In like 30 minutes of game time. When it was nearly impossible. When it was 28-24, I tweeted that um, that they're going to end up going up 24. They're going to win the game by 24, which was their deficit at one point in the game. And they could have done it, too. And Andy Reid, it felt like kind of like showed a little humanity. It was like, just kick the field goal. We could press this down <laughs> inside the five. But uh, enough's enough already. Um, hey, by the way, before anything else, What's your rooting interest now? Because, of course, like you say, you had a good year with the Chiefs. You spent some time there. Brother Mitchell is uh, is looking for a Super Bowl trip. But yeah. you grew up a San Francisco 49ers fan. Yeah. What's Jeff's rooting interest here? Would it be would it feel yeah. bad on some level? Because I, I remember ask, I asked Joey Bosa this in the preseason uh, about, like, how good do you want Nick to be? Do you want Nick to be – do you want it, like – It'd be nice if he did well, but do you want at Thanksgivings in, you know, 2035 and beyond, like, do you want the conversation to be, Joey, you were great, but Nick was a little bit better. Do you want uh, that same conversation going down around your Thanksgiving powwow? Well, considering I got I got um, nowhere near to even a single all-pro vote, and Mitch has been a four-time all-pro, I think he's passed me already in, in talent, which... I'm, I'm pretty much okay with it at this point. I've actually never been, uh, uh, you know, I've been fine with that. I love a ring, obviously, um, if I if I got one when I played. But look, here's the deal. I, I, I grew up a Niners fan, of course. I've kind of fallen out of that. I live on the East Coast now. I mean, I'm not watching Niners probably as much as, as I have in the last 10 years or so, just because I've been playing and following teams out east and following my brother. It'd be better if the Chiefs were to win Sunday than play the Packers. I think the Packers are far worse than the Niners. So I'd probably have to root against the Niners, I think the Niners, look, I know we're projecting the Niners are going to be a tough out for the Packers, and they're going to be a tough out for the Chiefs or the Titans. They, they're very good. They're very balanced. Um, and I kind of hope they lose this weekend so it gives the Chiefs an easier path to, to win a Super Bowl, which, by the way, obviously I'd be glad for my brother, but Andy Reid needs a Super Bowl so people stop mocking him and doing it. Like he is, look, it's funny. We talk about Sean Payton as he won the Super Bowl. And kind of this sense of like whenever he whenever he messes up, it's not his fault. Oh, he's won before. Oh, this and that. Andy Reid has won for longer, for more, with different quarterbacks, with worse quarterbacks, with different people. And he just needs that Super Bowl win so people will get off his back. I I don't disagree with the sentiment what you're hitting hinting at, and I would prefer to talk about the team still around here, this final four. But a, a quick detour about that. You hear now, so it, it's shaping up now that pr- pretty clearly it's going to be Sean Payton and it's going to be Drew Brees again in 2020. Not a little bit underwhelming if you're a Saints fan at this point. I'm, I know that there's not a better alternative. There's not a quarterback yeah. you're going to go and get that's going to make things better. Obviously, you're not going to look to replace Sean Payton, but still, it's kind of 
uninspiring at this point. If if you're a Saints fan, like, oh, yeah, this time with Drew Brees, now that he's 40 and it feels like every year, even though he got a, a protracted break in the middle of this season, it does feel like he yeah. keeps coming up a little lame in January and you're going to roll with him again, huh? You know, unlike the Pats bringing back Brady, who we can just see them adding a couple pieces on offense and just being fine next year. To your point, the Saints feel like they have a long way to go to get back to where they want to be. They only have one offensive weapon right now, really, in, in Thomas. And you're right, Drew Brees, at the end of these seasons, has just not been the same guy. And he's not going to get a six-week break next year, presumably, right? And and you're not going to have Teddy Bridgewater, probably, to win you five games in a row if, if Brees does get hurt. But you're, you're, but you kind of said it, though. Where are you going to go? I mean, you're, you're in a salary cap number with the guys you have to win now with Drew Brees. Same with the Patriots, honestly, is that the Patriots let Brees, uh, let, pay, let Brady walk and the Saints let Brees walk. You're basically saying we're tearing it all down and we're starting over again. And most teams don't want to do that until they're absolutely forced to do that. So I get why they bring Brees back. You, you probably, it's a great draft to get yourself another wide receiver and you try to run it back and you hope luck is on your side this year. I hear you. But yeah, I, I, I just wonder now. It's kind of like last year you had the, the fire lit under you. The, the narrative yeah. was there for the Saints to rally after the bad call in the title game a year ago. And it, it came up lame because of the Vikings. Um, but all right. I want to ask you about specifically that matchup, Mitchell and that offensive line and the guys running the ball behind that offensive line in Kansas City. And to me, the kryptonite has been um, potential. Well, two, two sides of it. The line of scrimmage is everything. And I talk all the time about over the last in the 20th century, last 15 years ish. If you go back through and you look at and I was just talking with our mutual pal, Chris Long, by the way, go back and listen to his great podcast uh, was uh, was uh, thrilled to join him for an extended talk in advance of these divisional round games. And we we touched on the fact that, yes, I believe in the quarterback league in the 21st century, there's very little evidence of a really great Hall of Fame worthy quarterback being on a bum team for any yeah. amount of time. But on the other hand, the other thing that for all the talk about, you got to have a number one rod receiver, got to have a shutdown corner. You have to have this and you have to have that. The thing you have to have almost across the board is an ability to control the line of scrimmage. And I know that sounds like some old curmudgeon guy from 1978, <laughs> but it also happens to be true now. And it feels to me like the Chiefs don't do that because they have Dan Marino 2.0 yeah. and that obscures everything. But do you agree with me as I, as I, complete this monologue windup of a question to you is my concern has been since the Colts game in Arrowhead. I don't know if that Chiefs defense is built to stop anybody from banging away. Concern number one, as Derrick Henry comes into town, although they are much better uh, uh, assuming Chris Jones comes back. That's one concern. But two is I don't know that they have anybody, including Damian Williams, who finished things off nicely. They don't have the ability to just grind in the fourth quarter and put the game away is that going to be their undoing? Well, it's been their undoing in other playoff runs, right? We saw last year it was their undoing, where, where the Patriots just casually walked into Arrowhead and rammed it down their throat to the end of the game. And I feel like Tennessee's going to do, at least attempt to do the exact same thing. The problem with the Titans right now, in my opinion, is that you cannot win playoff games, three I would say three in a row, throwing for 88 and 75 yards. Now, Tannehill has shown he can be better than that. So what happens when the Chiefs score... 21-20. Look, the Chiefs, they might lose this game, but they're not losing 28-12, to 12, okay? They're losing this game 
35-32, right? They're losing this game in a high-scoring shootout. The Titans play a bunch of zone coverage. They're not going to be able to contain the Chiefs. But to your point, if you're handicapping this game, the better defense overall is probably the Titans. The better trench play, combined offensive-defensive line, slight edge to the Titans because their best offensive linemen play the Chiefs' best two defensive linemen. On the flip side, the Titans' interior defense is really good, and they play, and that's the weaker part of the Chiefs' offensive line. The slight edge there. The difference, obviously, is quarterback, and Pat Mahomes is unbelievably amazing, and they do it two different ways. This is kind of like the, the new analytics team, right, the Chiefs. We, we pass the ball, we throw swing routes as run plays, and we don't care if we can't run the football. Tennessee's the exact opposite. It's why, by the way, the Titans are outstanding in the red zone at converting touchdowns. They run the ball. You have to run the ball well in the red zone to be good in that in that spot because everything condenses, right? You only have 30 yards if you start at the 20. There's not as many windows to throw the ball, and a lot of teams play two high safeties. Two high safeties equals run the football. There's one less guy in the box. That's why the Titans have been so good in the postseason, really the last six weeks in that area. The Chiefs have not. The Chiefs, until last weekend, had not been very good in the red zone. So I, I think that is there's a distinct path to the Titans winning this game. There's one path only, in my opinion, and that's why it's tough to see them winning this game. But it's run the football, control the tempo, and play just good enough defense, just good enough to limit 41 points from the Chiefs. I Listen, I agree with most everything you say, and you can go back to Bill Walsh in the early portions of uh, of the Niners' 80 dynasty, 80s dynasty yeah. there before Jerry Rice arrives, and that was kind of how they, they didn't have a finisher. I mean, Wendell Tyler was, right. I guess, as close as you could get for having a finisher behind Joe, fin- uh, Joe, uh, Joe Montana in the fourth quarter, but it really was a lot of short passes, a lot of, uh, um, you know, uh, yeah. passing on early downs in, in safe passes passes um but i also think the other side of things with the titans is i i know that they have to commit everything they possibly can to stopping the moose that is derrick henry but do you i i also think i don't i i I know honey badger is now splashing big in the last six eight weeks here but is is that enough do they have enough to really stop those physical receivers of tennessee because i think if they come out early I, I, here's my prediction: The Titans will come out early, and they'll try to they'll try to use AJ Brown and company to shock the Arrowhead crowd yeah. a little bit. So I have not been as high on the Chiefs' defense as their stats have been over the last month of the season. Look, I, I think we have to look at schedule a lot of times when we discuss this. They came off a of bye and played Derek Carr. Derek Carr, the Raiders, really have been outscored the last three times against the Chiefs, like one twenty-five to twenty. Okay. They haven't played very Then they played Drew Locke in his third start in the snow at Arrowhead, okay? Then they played the, the Mr. Trubisky-led Bears. Ooh, scary. And they played Phillip Rivers, who can't even move, right? And then they played this weekend, and we saw blown coverage on the first touchdown by a 10. I thought Watson, by the way, missed a lot of guys, a lot of high throws. There were guys open. He just missed them. I have not been sold in the defense as much as everyone else has because we've seen time and time again that they just come up a little bit short. Now, Honey Badger, been a great addition. I thought he played well yesterday as well. I really like the, the move. Very classy, not blow up Deshaun Watson. Yeah, right. That, because, because, like, look, they're boys. You're up by 20. You played well. The Badger, like, you knew. He, he felt you there. He knew you were there. He knew you could have killed him. You didn't do it. I like that, by the way. So, yeah, I worry about the Chiefs' defense. I think that, like I said, the Chiefs are going to win any game from here on out, two games left possibly, with their offense. Because the Niners, by the way, if they play in the Super Bowl, the Niners have the Titans game plan on steroids, right? 
the, the play action pass, run the football, even better uh, offensive play caller, and their defense is much better. So not, Chiefs have to score a ton of points. It's the way they, they've always had to do it, and they're going to do it again on Sunday. Um, what do you think of talking about matchups and uh, who you're doing these things against? Yeah. You have, I said, well, really, I said it at the 2018 draft, and then I said it once Joe Flacco was heard. I said, you watch, this Ravens team is going to be better with yeah. Lamar Jackson, and then over the offseason, I don't need to tell the whole story, they commit to the Lamar Jackson offense, yeah. and here we are. And as a side note, as a huge college football guy, um, like you are, uh, Jeff Schwartz. I love that when we were growing up that it was all about the diversity of offensive styles in college football, and that distinguished itself from pro football because everybody was yeah. running the same offense in the NFL. It's fun in the NFL now that you have a, a QB coming in yeah. there that hasn't thrown for 100 yards yet against Patrick Mahomes, and they're just doing it with Derrick Henry riding the moose uh, you know, over and over and over again. That's fun stuff, I think. But where do you say now? Do you feel validated? Because it felt like more than any – in fact, Eddie Spaghetti behind the glass can tell you, I said over and over and over again, not since Chip Kelly got to the NFL was there a bigger – um, decision to make well, for for this for the analysts and predictors in yeah. in football was is the Lamar Jackson offense going to work? I said, oh, it's going to work in 2019. You kept saying that they're, they're going to get got by somebody, and now they uh, now they got got. Yeah. Do you feel validated? Uh, no. I mean, Lamar won the MVP, right? He's going to win the MVP. Like, I don't know how validated I can feel after that, but I do think that this is now part of who they are. And whether it's fair or not fair, they're now the team that's really good in the regular season and not as good in the postseason. And whether that's Lamar's fault or not, I don't really know. I, I haven't rewatched the game. Uh, there were guys open and he hit their hands and they dropped the ball. Um, but you can sort of feel, look, I'll tell you, there seems to be a difference. When Pat Mahomes got down the other day, yesterday, you saw him on the sidelines, like firing his dudes up, getting, like he didn't, see, he didn't seem fearful of the situation. I'm not saying Lamar was fearful, but I just didn't feel that same vibe as the Pat Mahomes vibe I got where like everything was going to be okay, guys. We got this. Because the Ravens' offense is not built to come from behind. I know we had a bunch of yards, and I know they missed on fourth down, and things changed, but they didn't make those plays in the end. And so in, in now, now it's up to them to hand the post the, you know, in, in, in the offseason – Figure it out. They're going to win 12 games against next year. No one's going to stop this offense again. And the playoffs, there's going to be pressure on them to win the playoff game. I, I thought the Titans did a great job of not playing scared. They came downhill on defense fast, had an aggressive game plan, no hesitation in tackling, and they went ahead and gave it to the river. I was shocked. Dude, there's been a lot of surprises since week 17, right? The, the, the Patriots losing the Dolphins. This one surprised me because I thought that the offense was at such a high level that it really couldn't be stopped, honestly. And I give the time so much credit. It was unbelievable. It's it. Well, listen, but once you get the template, and by the way, it is not different than pointing at uh, what happened to, to the play action under center offense of the Rams in 2018. The Patriots kind of figured it out with the help yeah. of Todd Gurley's knee. And once the, once the blueprint was provided, now Sean McVay is going to have to modify things. Yeah. And I, I don't think Greg Roman, it would appear, he's going to end up staying there, but they're going to have yeah. to modify that often. You can't just right. go into 
2020 running the same thing? Won't teams be able to copycat to some degree? And I listen, the thing that the Titans have are those are are, are um, those two guys on the inside, the, you know, in Simmons and Casey yeah. and re- replicating Simmons. that is the trick. Yeah. But still, isn't there isn't the 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 trick out? And I don't think it's a gimmick offense or anything else, anything more than what the Rams uh-huh. did last year. Yes and no. I think the Ravens need to add a big wide receiver to give themselves like a third down, like a, like not a tight end, right? Like a big wide receiver to go get to a smaller defensive back. But I would say probably not. Like the Titans have tried some things other teams have done. Like the Bills tried this. The Patriots tried it. It just did not work. Or basically you funnel everything to the outside. And I do wonder how much Marcus Mariota running this offense in practice was very hmm. helpful for them. Because I think the speed of, the speed of Lamar Jackson, I think, really – surprises teams when you see them when you see him play the very first time it's just he's faster than any other any other person on the field and quicker and Mariota's not that that quick but he's he moves pretty well and he knows how the offense is supposed to work having played in some sort of this offense in college so I do wonder how much that played a role but look teams are going to try to do it I just think Lamar Jackson is is that much better I didn't think their offense did anything different. They just got, kind of kind of got beaten by the Titans. Wonder if uh, Marcus Mariota, by running that scout uh, Ravens offense, cost himself money in the offseason because if the Ravens continued their role and they won the Super Bowl, then everybody would be desperate to copycat that offense, and so oh. people would go get Marcus Mariota. One of the most ridiculous things I've heard this offseason, by the way, is the idea that Bill Belichick wants to run this offense. I don't know where that came from. I don't understand. Bill Belichick has drafted the same quarterback for the last 20 years. He has drafted a mm. pocket passer with some – Brady used to be able to move a little bit with some mobility, right? He has never once drafted a quarterback that could even run a five-second 40. Now all of a sudden he sees the Ravens doing the regular season and he wants to draft Jalen Hurts and run this offense. I don't understand why people think like that. There's no, there's no sign he's ever, ever wanted to run – any offense in the offense is running now. And well, the other thing is that Belichick, as a student of history, would probably point to is it's fun. It can work for a season. It can work for a few seasons. But who ends up winning the Lombardi? There still is not starting from Kaepernick going forward. There has not yep. an RG3 and all that. There has not yep. been a guy who wins the Super Bowl play or yep. an offense or a team playing that kind of ball. The other thing real quick is then before we let you go is now jump to you talk about uh, drafting uh, Brady like Jimmy G looking good and I know the narrative was forged six weeks in when they struggled against the skins that yeah. in, a, in a deluge that they could well see he's a passenger on this ride and all that Jimmy G keeps making big time throws and yeah. has for now three months and yet people refuse to acknowledge it to me it seems like barring me and you know what I love yeah. that secondary for the Packers they're going to need to pick six Jimmy G or something like that because I, I just don't see the pieces yeah. of the Packers defense stopping that run game. Right. Aren't they going to yeah, just get, aren't they going to gash yes. them all day long? Yes. And, and you know, the, the Niners have a little bit of Titans in them, right? They're going to run the football and they're going to play action pass, but we've seen throughout the year, the Ravens game, the saints game that Jimmy G is not asked to do as much as Pat Mahomes or Russell Wilson, but when he's asked to do it, he can do it, and he does it very well. Now, the, the question always is is that you know, he does kind of make one or two silly throws a game when he really shouldn't, and zone coverage at times 
can fool him. But yeah, the idea that he's not good enough to lead the Niners to Super Bowl, I think is just not true. It's lazy to say that because it's not what the film shows. It's not what his performance shows. It's not what the game show. Look, you can be a system quarterback. It's fine. It worked for Tom Brady for years. It's okay to be a system quarterback. That means you have a great coach. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, the great Jeff Schwartz, excellent stuff. I'm sure it's exciting times uh, in the Schwartz yeah. household spread across football America, including yours. Um, man, could kibitz with you and since you sit in Charlotte, uh, North Carolina. Um, would love to hear about uh, what the Panthers are going to do. Um, but we'll, we'll pick that up at another time. Make sure you check out Jeff Schwartz is Smarter Than You, available on The Athletic. He does one free one and one for subscribers. Oh, yeah. As does the football fact check. Before we let you go, just give us the final score of the national championship game. Ooh, the one tonight. Um, I'll go. I haven't thought of this. Let me go. LSU 34, Clemson 30. Okay. I think, yeah, I think, uh, the, I think the Tigers complete it and get them by double digits. I think they get them by 10. All right. The great Jeff Schwartz, everybody. <laughs> All right, so that's it. Jeff Schwartz, dynamite as always, right, Spaghetti? He's great. Glad to have him back on. We haven't had him in uh, quite some time. I know. Yeah, yeah it's been too long. Um, I still am not clear on what he's rooting for, though. Sounds like the Chiefs he over has, his boyhood loyalty. I was going to say, between teams he's rooted for, played on, his brother on a team, it's just like he has like ties into like half the league. So, I mean, whatever. I, 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 just, I just love Jeff for his analysis and his Twitter use. So, he's, uh, he's always a great guest. I like that he fights people on oh, Twitter yeah. all yeah, the time. He's aggressive. I tell him, cut that crap out. Why do, why, why, do you, why do you let people get your goat like that? It is what, funny. What, that, why do you care what people tweet at you? Uh, it's, it it's is fun funny to that, talk with people. He, he's... Uh, He's a guy that is like a really uh, – he was an exceptional offensive lineman, and people like still doubt what he says about the NFL, like just regular Joe Schmoes on Twitter. And it's so – I mean, and he – I think he's the one guy who just takes the bait because he's like, no, 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 I do know more than you, and I'm going to explain why. So I find that kind of funny. It is great. Um, and speaking of great, uh, I had a great time with Chris Long. Again, I know the games are already in the books, but fear not, we did a deep dive on uniforms for at least 10 to 20 minutes before we even started talking about football. Some great stuff in there from uh, a guy who knows what he's talking about, um, plus Chris Long. No, I mean, uh, plus Dave Damashek is what I meant. Um, and uh, the uniform talk. Now, that's my area of expertise, and you want to listen in on that. It was very fun, and uh, we discussed a home and home. So we'll be talking with Chris on this side at some point soon. And uh, speaking of speaking at some point soon, we'll be back in a mere 48 hours to kibitz about what's going to happen in the two title games. Only three pro football games left. Everybody enjoy them as much as you can. We'll be back to break them down for you. Until then, for Eddie Spaghetti and Jeff Schwartz, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com compatibility. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.